DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Ben Anderson. Warm him up an hour early before he and Jake take over at 10 o'clock. Ben, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Clear those pipes, Ben. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> the Jazz beat the Pelicans, but how much are you putting stock in this road trip, having just seen the Jazz and the Warriors looking at the standings, knowing what's coming in the playoffs, and knowing later this month the Jazz play the Warriors again, they play the Suns twice, they play the Grizzlies, they play the Nuggets twice. I know every game matters, and you got to win every game, and they won last night. And Isn't it, though, about all these big games in January? Yeah, you look at, you know, they got 45 games left after last night's victory, and 15 or 13 of those, excuse me, almost uh, almost 30% of these games are against teams that have top four seeds right now in the East or the West. So the Jazz can beat the Pelicans. They can beat even Denver, who's, you know, the fifth or the sixth seed right now because they've been so unhealthy. But it's going to really matter. I think the, the confidence is going to be built by how they perform against uh, Golden State, like you mentioned, Phoenix, like you mentioned, Brooklyn, which they'll get uh, twice still before the end of the year. And you know what? I mean, you've got the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of months, so I, I'm sure all of those deadlines and these performances are being weighed pretty heavily right now in that front office. Yeah, that's why I think Joe is going to find a new place here before too long. I think they're going to make a move, and I think they're going to go for a defensive-minded wing. Who do you got? Uh, you, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I almost wonder if because – the, J- the Jazz's assets, unless they're willing to move on from a Boyan Bogdanovich or a Jordan Clarkson, I think those are, I, I just think those are such valuable assets and so important to what the Jazz are doing because their offense is still going to be their best weapon. They're good defensively. I, I don't know if they're truly going to be elite, elite defensively, even with one trade, the way you can watch Golden State and just see how well they move together, how truly elite they are as a defensive team. I don't think the Jazz get there with one move, so I don't think you cut off your nose to spite your face or whatever analogy you want to use. I don't think you move one of your best offensive players to get just a little bit better defensively. So I do think you are probably talking more of a guy like Joe Ingles and a young player or Joe Ingles and a future draft pick. And then you almost got to hope that you get involved in a three-way trade where you kind of just make salaries work and you get the best player out of it. Now, you know, I, I don't know if that means Marcus Smart's available. I'm sure Danny Ainge knows how available Marcus Smart is and what it would take to get him. And that's probably the type of advantage who's out there. There's names like Lou Dort that have been passed around, and I'm always curious about Lou Dort. Do Jazz fans love him? Because, you know, when you see him play against the Jazz, he averages 20 points a game and helps lock up Donovan Mitchell. And is he just not that player against the rest of the league? Because if he played that way every night, he'd be one of the best players, and no one would ever talk about him being available. So clearly there's going to be some warts there if you do trade for him. But if he's available, those are probably the types of names you're looking for. Uh, we talked about this with Joe. Joe went into it actually with a little bit of prompting, but not a lot. And wherever you get podcasts, you can go back and listen uh, to their show on, uh, I think it was December 30th is when we had him on. And uh, and he talked about this, and he acknowledged, hey, I've got the expiring contract. Nobody else does. So for Jazz fans who are wondering, in addition to talent, just from the cap relief or a luxury tax relief angle, he's the one that really makes sense. And you could hear it in his voice. He doesn't like it, but he knows it. So people tend to make deals with people they know. So when you bring up the Celtics, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the front office that Danny Ainge is familiar with. That's the front office that, you know, he, he could probably wheel and deal with. And you know what, teams even, I, mean, I don't want to say they do each other favors, but certainly there's some kind of, you know, willing to work together if there's familiarity in the front office. You know, the Jazz made a couple of 
small, not major, but kind of little tiny draft night trades that ended up benefiting the Knicks after Walt Perrin moved there. And there's just some familiarity there. You know, there's just some guys that are there in that front office that you probably know. And you say, well, we want to get, you know, this second round pick and the Knicks want this pick. And, you know, you think you can probably work together and there's some goodwill. So you would hope there's still goodwill with Danny Ainge and the Celtics. It doesn't seem like any uh, bridges have been burned. And look, Danny's going to look under all the, all, all the different rugs that are out there in the NBA. He's going to find out a deal if there's one available for the Jazz. And, Look, you know, I mean, it sounds like teams were already going after Joe Ingles. There was that rumor that popped up last week that Quinn Snyder, you know, refuted a trade uh, to Golden State, I think it was, with Joe Ingles and, and kind of made sure it didn't get pushed through. So the, the name has been thrown out there. I'm sure there's still value for Joe Ingles around the league, maybe not as much today as there was in the offseason. But he's still a guy who I think some teams would like to get some of that expiring money. And he can still shoot. He can still play. And I think if you get him in a, a safe spot where his confidence comes back, he'll continue to play better. I think that uh, as far as January, yeah, there's big games and all, but I sort of view it as uh, what are they going to do in the postseason because it looks like they'll get either Phoenix or Golden State in the second round. And it's sort of like uh, we went through four months of college football and we got Georgia-Alabama, like no kidding. And so to me, you know, they can have these big games and this and that, but it's when we get to the second round of the playoffs, you're going to either be playing Phoenix or Golden State. And if you want to get the NBA Finals – you're going to probably have to beat Phoenix and Golden State. I don't see uh, anything but that happening. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's some inevitability there, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I think that probably makes it a little bit easier to decide how you want to operate before the trade deadline and what things you want to accomplish. And therefore, you don't hopefully, I, I think, buy into too much regular season success because I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz come back from this road trip with a perfect 5-0 and record. They're better than Denver. They're better than Toronto. They're better than Indiana. They're better than Detroit. So they already beat New Orleans, and they play really hard on the road when they you know, feel like they need to prepare a little bit more or they face a little extra adversity that they don't face when they're at home because the fans are at their back. They sharpen up a little bit, and just by tightening up a little bit, they're so naturally talented and have so much chemistry that they just blow past these teams, which is why I think they've won nine straight road games. But... You know, you, you do need to make sure you recognize that your season's going to end with seven games or five games or, you know, hopefully not four games against the, the Suns or the Warriors in the second round. And you need to make sure you're most prepared for that. And I'm sure that's not lost on this Jazz front office. So they put up a graphic during the broadcast about the Jazz, how they rank, you know, number one or two in the league in offense or defense at home or away, with the exception of defense at home, <laughs> which instead of being elite was mediocre. Do you think they just think, oh, these guys are at altitude, we got our fans, and so they bring the B-minus effort defensively? Is there any other way to explain why they're 17th in that category when they're elite and everything else? I, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think there is just this kind of feeling that you roll out of bed and you're so good and you're at home that things should naturally take care of themselves. And remember, I mean, they were incredibly good last year at home. They have a 22-game home winning streak. They set a team record for consecutive home wins. They lost two early to, I don't know if it was the Suns and the Timberwolves, I think it was, but they lost a couple of weird games early and then just went on the streak where they were unbeatable. And it felt like, okay, you know, this is going to be the case again for this team. And it hasn't been. But look, they lost in the playoffs last year. I mean, they lost game five to the Clippers, which is the reason they got eliminated by the playoffs or by the Clippers in game six in Los Angeles. So I, I do think there needs to be some respect that, hey, you're not just going to flip a switch at any point. And it does kind of feel like they roll out of bed feeling like, hey, we're at home. We're one of the top three teams in the West, if not in the NBA. If we flip this switch, everything's going to be fine because they haven't passed that test against teams like Golden State. 
How do you think the small ball thing is going? It's not going super well right now because Rudy Gay is not playing very good. You know, Rudy Gay is just not all that engaged defensively. He's getting blown by, and I think it's still probably trying to figure out exactly what some of his role is, which is unfortunate because I actually thought he had a couple of good games where Quinn Snyder said, hey, let's stop trying to make you George Niang. Let's stop having you hang out on the three-point line. And if you want to take 18-foot post-up jump shots, and that's where you're going to get more comfortable, and that's going to get you more engaged on the defensive end, let's do that because you got to do something. you got to offer something. And if you're just missing threes and then not playing defense or not really helping that much on that end of the floor, that doesn't do anything for you. And then Hassan gets hurt, so he has to go and play as the backup center. And I don't think that's quite a natural fit for him the way I think, you know, the Jazz would like him to. And he certainly hasn't had as many reps in his career playing backup center. So where he can be a big power forward and shoot over guys and feel comfortable, he loses a little bit of that when he has to go out and guard Jackson Hayes or Jonas Valanciunas or whoever he had to D up last night. I think that ends up being difficult. So it's a work in progress. I wouldn't say it's something you want to abandon totally because it's probably something you want to be able to go to a little bit more often. But look, one of the reasons the Jazz second unit last year wasn't very good was because Derek Favors wasn't very good last year. I mean, he just was not as good as Hassan Whiteside is right now. So if Hassan's going to be better than Favors, I don't know if you necessarily feel like you have to rely on small ball. And one of the things I've really liked that the Jazz have done is they're giving Rudy Gobert the ball in the post. And, and Quinn Snyder talked about it last week. He said it's fighting for the rim. It, it, it has equal parts to do with the Jazz' willingness to pass in the ball, but also Rudy Gobert's willingness to get to within one or two feet and not stop at five or six feet, because he can't do anything at five or six feet. He's too close to other defenders. He's not all that good turning around and shooting the ball. He doesn't have great touch. But it is, you know, a foot out from the rim, two feet out from the rim, he's so long, he can dunk it or he can get fouled, and that's certainly more valuable uh, than just you know throwing the ball down to him at six feet and having it result in a turnover. I feel like the small ball discussion has gotten off a point here. It's not that the problem with, with Rudy is that he can't be everywhere at once. The problem with the Jazz defensively is it's too easy to get past guys and break the paint, as they like to say. It's just too easy to get in to get around guys and get into the lane. And I thought the most interesting part of the post game after the Pelicans game was the discussion about well, why are guys better or why aren't they better when... Well, Rudy clearly intimidates people. And guys look like better defenders when Rudy's standing behind him, whether a guy goes around him or not. And if Rudy's dragged out to the corner by a, a, a guy who can shoot, or if he's subbed out, or if he's in foul trouble and he's out because of that, well, now guys aren't intimidated. And your perimeter defense doesn't look as good. And I don't think putting Rudy Gay in there is going to make the perimeter defense a lot of, a lot better. Some guys are still going to get beat. So when you put Rudy Gay in there, what you need is an offense that scores at a really high rate so you're not giving up ground because you're probably giving up more points. I don't think they can yeah. change that. I, I almost actually wonder, we saw it a little bit against the Mavericks on Christmas night, is maybe you just make Rudy your primary defensive player. Rudy Gobert, that is. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if they want to switch or if they're going to bring the ball up the floor, if it's Reggie Jackson this year like it was with the Clippers, just put Rudy on him. Fine. If you can beat Rudy Gobert off the dribble and then beat him to the rim where he's recovered and had those you know game-winning block shots against Dame or DeLon Wright, we remember against the Mavericks a couple of years ago, if you think you can score on him one-on-one, fine. And then you got to trust your other Jazz defenders to stay in front of their guy, but if your best player is going to have the ball in his hands, why not just put your best defender on him? And, and I don't think it's even close that Rudy Gobert is not just the Jazz's best rim protector, he's their best perimeter defender. 
He's longer than anyone. He moves his feet better. He doesn't fall for pump fakes. He doesn't foul you on the three-point line. Like, he does everything so well on the defensive end. Maybe he is your Ben Simmons. Maybe he is your Draymond Green who can D up the best guy late in the game and, and fluster him into taking a bad shot or throwing the ball away. And Quinn, I think, has even toyed with that idea a little bit. So if you want to play small ball, you don't actually have to be small. You just have to be willing to pull your big guy out. And if they're willing to pull their big guy out and especially put him on the ball, yeah, it puts the onus on the Jazz other players to, to do well. But at least you're not asking Rudy Gobert to defend the paint and defend the ball. I want you to guarantee me that Mike Conley will be healthy for the playoffs. <laughs> I think Quinn Snyder's doing his best, and I think it's frustrating Mike Conley. I mean, I think there are a lot of games, especially back-to-backs, where Mike wishes he was playing and then finds himself a little bit out of a rhythm. He was bad the last three games until last night. He was shooting you know, 34% from the floor and 22% from the three-point line and you know, like 4 of 13, 4 of 15 every night, so he wasn't playing very well. Uh, but when he's on, he's incredible. He's really one of the probably 25 best players in the NBA, and you saw that again last night. So Quinn Snyder's trying his hardest to keep this, this, this team as healthy as possible and specifically Mike Conley as healthy as possible because, knock on wood, Rudy and Donovan seem pretty durable. Uh, so if you can keep Mike Conley healthy, when you get to the playoffs, that's going to help a ton, especially if you can find you know, one more little piece to, to kind of complement the defense. Warriors are 3-1 and one against the Suns and Jazz combined, and I thought they really passed the eye test, and obviously they didn't have Draymond, and they're about to get Clay back. Uh, should we be penciling them in as heavy favorites? People talk about the NBA being wide open. Is it wide open in your mind, or are the Warriors the team to beat? I actually still think the Suns are probably the team to beat in the West, more so than the Warriors. And I, I like the Warriors. I, I'm still a little bit curious if I'm buying into – Jordan Poole and Gary Payton, the second being able to go out and win you games in the playoffs. And look, when they once they start doing it, they do it. You know, I didn't believe in the Suns last year either, and they made the finals. And you know, we're up whatever it was four games or three games to one or three games to two, and ended up blowing that lead. So it's not like it's impossible for them to get there. I'm still a little curious if when push comes to shove, and yes, I lost. I watched them lose to the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in tournament last year to not make the playoffs. And obviously they're not going to find themselves in that situation this year, but I'm still a little bit curious if all those pieces are going to fit that well and perform that well when it gets into the playoffs versus that whirlwind of playing against a team like that. That's pretty unique because they are so small because they don't have a real big guy that plays because they switch everything defensively. You run into those teams in the regular season and it's hard to prepare for them with one shoot around or a practice. And then once you get to see them four times, five times, six times, you start to pick apart some of their weaknesses or find ways to trap them in different ways. So Jordan Poole can't go off and you let Steph beat you or Steph can't go off and you try and make Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins beat you. And they've got to prove that they can do it. And maybe they can't. Uh, but, but I wouldn't at this point, from my perspective, pencil them in as some overwhelming favorite to make it, you know, even past the second round of the playoffs. They, they can get there. But I, I think if you're trying to drop the conference finals now, you might just be picking names out of a hat between the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Suns. Where does Jake Scott rank on your list of favorite co-hosts that you've worked with? Okay, I mean, most of the shows I've done, like PK, you and I have done one show together. DJ, actually, I don't think you and I have ever done a show together. We've hung out during Jazz games. I'm doing an hour with Scotty today. I did Hands last week. Obviously, Kyle Gunther for a long time. I did it with Tony Jones for a Saturday show for a while. <laughs> well, like he's top seven. Top seven? Okay. <laughs> nice. Conservatively, he's okay. top seven. Okay. Well, they can get top but, four. He can get into the college football playoffs, so he really doesn't need to improve that much. 
well, look, and if we expand, he'll be in regardless. So good point. He's in good standing. He's doing fine. Okay. He'll be really happy to hear that. Just work with him some more. You can get there. Yeah, right, right. It's it's a work in progress, and that's fine. I don't. He'll get there. I have faith. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I can bring him along. All right, Ben. Good warm up uh, segment. You should be ready to go at ten o'clock today. Yeah, I get her. Better get dressed. See you guys. <laughs> All right. See you, Ben. Ben Anderson. He and Jake will be along ten o'clock today, right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, what'd you miss in today's show? All the stuff we're talking about, we will get to it next. Stay with us.